Vibrations Podcast, Episode 44, Patricia O'Sullivan. Recorded the 26th of January, 2023. Hi, I'm Gary Brightman, and this is my periodic podcast called Vibrations. Established in 2018, Vibe is a book and music shop situated in Moiwo, on Lantau Island, in Hong Kong. Since our last podcast, we've had two further events at the shop. Carl Wagner and Saxa Kai played keyboards and sang their own brand of soul and pop music. Carl from the Funkophones is a great entertainer and kept the crowd singing, clicking and clapping, with Saxa duetting on a couple of numbers. What a great gig that was. Patricia O'Sullivan came to Vibe to talk about murder on the islands. Author of Policing Hong Kong, An Irish History, and Women, Crime and the Courts, 1841-1941, she gave a very vivid talk about the dastardly deeds of years gone by. I interview her for this week's podcast. We also welcomed Susan Mertens, Pat England, and Charlie Walsh to the Vibe team. That brings us up to full capacity with five women now helping out at Vibe. I've never felt so marginalised in all my life. Given their out-and-out rivalry, I decided to introduce an Employee of the Month scheme. Our first winner was Charlie, making the best sales for December. She gets to have her picture displayed in the shop for a whole month and enough cash to buy a large bag of rice with. Well done, Charlie. You can see all our Tiny Desk gigs and book talks on our Facebook channel, Vibe Silvermine Bay, or on our YouTube channel, Live at Vibe HK. Subscribe soon to avoid disappointment. And so to this week's interview... Patricia O'Sullivan is a writer and researcher on the lesser-known aspects of Hong Kong's history prior to 1941. Stumbling over an article concerning the death of her great-uncle in 1918 when an inspector of the Hong Kong police, she quickly became immersed in the social history of colonial Hong Kong. As a specialist recorder teacher, In a career spanning three decades and more, she has had the joy both of introducing thousands of young children to music and developing the skills and musicianship of senior students to diploma level and beyond. Now she writes full-time while keeping some teaching and playing to keep herself sane. Pre-Covid times, she spent many months in Hong Kong and is currently back here. Patricia's second book, On Women, The Wrong Side of Law, was finished during the first lockdown and came out in December 2020. Since then, she has been working on the next book project, Hong Kong during World War I and the policemen who fought in that war. Alongside that, she continues to contribute articles on other aspects of Hong Kong's social history, all of which can be found on the Insight page of her website at socialhistoryhk.com. Welcome to Vibe, Patricia. 
Thank you. It's delightful. Do you have a favourite book or author or <laughs> authors? <laughs> I have a I have a absolute favourite author. Oh. Oh, P.G. Right, excellent. P.G. Woodhouse. Woodhouse. Yes. So I'm never without a P.G. Woodhouse. <laughs> excellent. Love it. I've read a number of his. And there must be a lot in that collection, P.G. Well, Woodhouse. Well, it's 99, 99 full-length full novels. So, yeah. Just the language, the use of language is just so gorgeous. Yes, yes. You know, it's it's sort of almost every page you can find something. And do you have one in particular that you go back to more than others? or? No, not really. Um, there's... The Jeeves and Worcester collection, yeah. because they're you know they're, they're they're always around. But you know this is this is wonderful. This is in uh, Hong Kong Central Library. Okay. And you know they've they've got a really nice little collection of yes. the Woodhouses, and they've got sort of the ones that are not yeah you know, the old reliable. I've I've never come across this book oh, one before. Excellent. So, you know it's one I haven't read, and yeah. there it was on the shelves. Like, <laughs> oh, it's a little piece of gold yeah, in Hong Kong absolutely. waiting for you to find absolutely. it. Absolutely fabulous. So, yeah. And I think there's something nice about a a hardback oh, yeah. yes. plastic yes. sort of covered. Yes, nice. Um, yes, but yeah, you can really. It kind of yeah. takes me where well, it takes me back to school it's, days it's almost, proper library book <laughs> it is proper library book isn't it yeah. pg woodhouse big hong kong connection ah now yeah. okay yeah just right his father was um the police magistrate here um for oh. all well sort of 1880s and 1890s until okay. he retired wow. um, so he was he came out as uh, in the 80 uh, 18 Sixty-nine as as a cadet, a, a civil service cadet. Okay. So he was trained in had intensive training in Cantonese, um, right? And then was you know, could be put in any job in the government. This was yes, the idea. Yes, they had six yes. six young men who were going to be able to sort of help them out and be able Brilliant. to yeah because at that stage. The government couldn't speak to local people at all. Really, they no. had, to, had to use sort of um, intermediaries. And, yeah, yeah. Henry How Ernest wonderful. Woodhouse was his his father was um, spent all his career really in in Hong Kong, right. and his um, P. G. Woodhouse's oldest brother, um, P. P. J. Woodhouse, uh, Philip Peveril Woodhouse, was um, deputy superintendent of the police here. Unbelievable. His career. That's yeah. fantastic. So, yeah. So that um, I mean, I've, yeah, I've always read Woodhouse um, yes. since I was about twelve, and then yeah. he'd come here and think. I, I asked a, you know, a friend of mine said, "This Woodhouse guy I'm meeting is he anything? Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> is, he, is any relation there? And yeah. did did PG Woodhouse come to Hong Kong? I, I, I guess he would. I, no, I don't. No, he didn't. Um, no. I, I think he may have come. Uh, as a very small, you know, two-year-old child. Okay. But no, he was brought up by, by aunts, um, and he was in boarding school. He was at Dulwich College in okay. in, in you know South London, um, yeah. and then he went into the HSBC in London, and right. then left the HSBC to, in order to write. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So yep. totally different. Yes, thing. yes, yes. That, uh, yep. That's uh, it's a nice piece of history there. It's actually, a nice connection, his father isn't it? and yeah, yeah. yeah and, and yeah. brother. Okay, so we'll move on. Favourite musical artist? As a profession, I'm a recorder, player, recorder, teacher. Yes. I'm involved in early music. Yeah. So um, my favourite um, is, is actually a, a singer, um, a singer, a, a countertenor called Andreas Scholl. He's okay. a German countertenor um, who has the most exquisite voice. Um, very rich, but you're right up in that, that really high register over the break. Okay. 
Yes. Um, and he sings the Baroque. He sings a lot of high Baroque. I mean, uh, uh, my personal interest is Italian, earlier Italian Baroque music like Monteverdi and Frescobaldi. But okay. It, but I, I love the, the stuff he sings. He has the Bach. The, uh, okay. All Vivaldi, right. yeah. Yeah. What medium do you listen on, just incidentally? Uh, CD CDs, or tapes? CDs, yeah, CDs. CDs, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not awfully into okay. into listening on online. I mean, yeah. I spend too much of my life online. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I think, you know, if I might be so bold, our generation, yeah. we didn't really come from online. So it's, we still connect with yeah. things we can see yeah. and touch yeah, and smell. So next, do you have a preferred drink? Milk. Milk, okay. Champagne. Good. Oh, milk and champagne, <laughs> a perfect combination. Yeah. There's one end of the milk. scale to the yeah, other. Yeah. Milk for breakfast, champagne for dinner. I suppose, I suppose tea, tea, yeah. I mean, I, I, I drink enormous amounts of tea. But yes. I'm a real, I've always been, always liked milk. Yeah, well, me too, actually. Mm. I'm, I'm a big milk drinker, yeah, yeah. I, and I have a big cereal every morning. Yeah, and yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I still love milk. Do you have a life motto? I suppose I'm very positive, and... There's always a better way of looking at something. Yes. You know, you yes. can always find good in something, whatever yes. the situation. For me, it seems easier to look for the positives yes. and ignore the negatives. Yes. Yes. Why get dragged down by the negatives, really? That's you it. Know, That's so. it. And, and things do yeah. happen. Awful things do happen. Yes, you know, of course. Yeah. The COVID lockdown, it was a real tough time in the UK. Yeah. Um, but there were so many good things that came out of it. Yes. You know, the sense of community, the sense of supporting people, the yeah. um, the appreciation for what others did for us, the appreciation for for people like you know, the, the shop assistants, yes. the, the people on the tills. Yeah, the day-to-day the people. Market. The retail. fact that you went to see them and you could actually talk to them you know, once every two weeks or something or other. Yeah, and, you know, yes. Just so appreciate. I think we all... So, so there was so much good. Yeah, that came together yeah. through the in, yeah. in, in, in adversity, I suppose. And, yeah, that's um, right. I mean, the, the health service as well, I could see yeah. from here, I love the fact that they would have the weekly, everybody get out of the house and, yeah. and clap, clap and applaud them. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was wonderful, yeah. actually. Yeah, I mean, even, even doing that in my little road, it's a funny little road, and it's, it's a series of older houses on one side and this newly built semi-social housing on the other side yeah. near the twain do meet right but when it came to clapping yes yep, yeah everybody was there and you there would be sort of waves either side ah. of the road and how are you how are you yeah you okay yeah good good that's and, nice you know, at least there was a little bit of connection so even that had yes. another <laughs> yeah so there was an undercurrent yeah. of yeah, yeah positivity yeah. there yeah. as well yeah. 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 yeah whereabouts do you live in, in watford watford yeah. Yeah, okay so about 60 miles north of London. I know Watford. I know yeah. of Watford. I, I am from North London, so oh, yeah, 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 not too just, far away. Yeah, just, <laughs> just a little jaunt up the yeah, yeah the yeah, M1 one. or whatever. Yeah. What was the best advice you were ever given? Yeah, I was thinking about this. You, you were kind enough to let me know what I was going to be asked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's more fun to spring yeah. up really. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, when as as a sort of sixth former at school, um, we started and run a, a school newspaper. Okay. And one of the teachers, a very uh, an excellent teacher who really supported us, um, I remember you know, when, when we'd been let down by somebody, he said, you know, Patricia, this is something you'll learn. If you want a job done properly, do it yourself. Yes. And, yeah, so that followed me through for quite a lot until I suppose I was teaching, running a Saturday morning music school, 
Yeah. And I suddenly realised if I followed that, I had to do everything. (laughs) (laughs) And actually what was much better was if you want a job done well and you can't do it, give it in total to somebody else. Yes. You know, and then as long as you're not, as long as you don't try to still hold on to it, and um, yeah, trust them, trust empower them, them to do yeah. the thing, and they, they come up with much better stuff than you had. <laughs> well, I had anyway. So that was, you know, it was. I, I I remember consciously turning that on its head. Yes. What inspired you to write in the first place? Um, write about Hong Kong. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Write yeah. about Hong yeah. Kong. Yeah. Well, ninety-year-old aunt in Dublin says to me, Patricia, you're good at that googly thing. Go on and find out why yeah. Uncle Mert died. Uh, Uncle Mert, Uncle Mortimer O'Sullivan, Inspector Mortimer O'Sullivan of the Hong Kong Police, had died in 1918 um, in what was, you know, the family knew was called the Gresson Street affray. But that's yeah. about as much as the family knew. Right. Because um, my, my aunt, who was asking me, she was the, the daughter of Patrick O'Sullivan, yet another Hong Kong police inspector. Right. And who, they'd been in Hong Kong at the time. And Patrick had had shut down information about his brother, his brother's death. Right. Partly because two days later, um, his own little daughter died of meningitis in Hong oh, Kong. God. Um, yeah. They were over in Taiping Shan, right. so stationed there. So it was a very traumatic time. So, yeah. you know, the family knew nothing. So go on that googly thing and find out. OK, so I went yes. on that googly thing. Yes found an article um, that was written by a serving policeman um, about um, about the Gresson Street affray and it mentioned that the grandson of the other European who had been killed still lived and worked in Hong Kong. This other European's name was, Den- um, was Henry Goscombe Clark and his grandson Dennis Clark was somewhere around in Hong Kong. Okay. Okay. Hmm, right. Um, there were two. There was a tiny, tiny little photograph of him. I mean, you know, sort of about six pixels or something wow. like that. Um, yeah. I exaggerate, but yeah, yeah, I get the picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the picture. Or yes. not the picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I went on the, the internet and thought Dennis Clark is such such a you know it's quite a common name really. Dennis Clark, Hong Kong, came yes. up with a guy who was the head of the Conrad Hotel in Hong Kong at the time. Okay. Conrad Hotel had a similar picture of about six pixels and I tried to <laughs> marry them up and thought, hmm, might be. Then I tried to find an email address and there was, there was no email so I sort of made up one that might be a corporate email address Yeah. and sent off an email saying um, excuse me, approaching you like this but um, might you be the grandson of Henry Gosling Clark? who died at Crescent Street in 1918. I am the great-niece of Mortimer O'Sullivan, who died at that event. Um, do you know anything more about it? Yeah. And two hours later, I had this email saying, Patricia, how wonderful, 100 years nearly, and our two families are now connected. Um, oh. You've got to come to Hong Kong to step in your great-uncle and your grandfather's footsteps. Come and stay at the Conrad and be my guest as long as you like. Oh, my God, <laughs> that's fabulous. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That was your know, initial um, five-day um, trip over. And Dennis, who's still a good friend, and I'm hoping he's going to be here on Saturday, um, oh, he, he really did, you know, sort of, 
<laughs> give me the works, the, yeah. the princess works. Oh, um, how nice. And, and he was in touch with, with the, the policeman who'd written the article, who had been researching my family, and then he opened up a whole raft of... Wow. You know, we got to see the, around the old police station, take one before yeah, it was before it was revamped. Before there was anything in yeah. sort of revamping, really, and and all of, and around Gresson Street and everything else. <laughs> so, I mean, what happened in 1918 when my great uncle was killed in Gresson Street um, in an Af- in a shootout, basically, and then what um, turned up in the, the that first trip over was that there were not just my great-uncle and my grandfather who came from uh, Newmarket in County Cork, which is yeah. a little tiny town in North County Cork, um, but there were a whole raft of other men, and I think there were sort of at various points up to about 20 men in the Hong Kong police force who came from that tiny town. The town has a 1,000 people in it. Yes. Um, so that was you know, really quite extraordinary. Yeah. I'm talking over a period of... Not not quite a century, but nearly, nearly yeah. that. Um, and they brought over wives and created families here. Yes. So there's yeah. yeah. So there was a lot, and suddenly there were a lot of stories to write. Yes. Yeah. yeah because they would yeah. have branched off. They branched off. And, yeah. and even you could have drilled, even if you drilled back, actually, they would have all probably known each other from the pubs and the churches of Newmarket. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's there's two. Two really strand, two two families that come over. So um, there's one man who comes over in 1864, um, William Lysett, and he he lived just just south of Newmarket in a little sort of like hamlet just south of Newmarket, um, and then uh, George Hennessy, who came in 1873, um, he lived in Newmarket town itself. Um, they may have known each other in Newmarket, but I would love to have been a fly on the wall when they discovered each other. Yes, yeah. absolutely it's, amazing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not like nowadays when we can bump into people and, oh, yeah. yes, you know, you have six degrees of separation, all that sort of yes. thing. Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm there, I mean, yeah, yes. to, to bump into somebody who, when it's a minimum of six weeks on the boats yeah. to, to get here... You've come from Newmarket. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's mind blowing, isn't it? Yeah, for them, I would imagine, yeah, because yeah, you know, there there was just newspapers in those yeah. days. I think it's prior to radio as, as prior, well. Well, prior to radio, yeah. and you know, uh, a letter takes six weeks to get there, yeah. and you know, then you've got to wait for them to write, and then you've got another minimum of six weeks to get the reply. Communications. So yeah. you know, if if you get if you got you know, four letters a a year, yeah, that's. What all yeah. you could expect, really? That would have been prolific. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so you made the connection between the two families. Yeah. Um, and that really, from there, you could find out enough about researching for the book. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a yeah. lot of people, um, and I did get help from uh, not so much from my immediate you know, set of cousins, but but yeah. from the. Oh, because it opened up into all sorts of other, you know, sort of, there were cousins of my grandfather and um, relatives of Lysett's descendants and things like this. Yeah. And they were uh, very interested in what I was doing because very few of them had very much idea. Yes. And so they'd have little snippets. So I was getting all these lovely snippets together yeah. and putting them together. Yeah, yeah. stitching it together yeah. like a patchwork yeah. quilt sort That's of it. thing yeah. to make a nice, yeah, good yeah. rounded story. Yeah. 
Okay, so that was really, yeah, the first how book I, yeah. uh, and how that came about. Um, that was released a few years ago on yep. Blacksmith Books. 2017 yeah. by Blacksmiths, yes. Yeah. And uh, the lovely Irish consulate here gave me a fabulous launch for that. Oh, did they? Yeah. David Costello? Well, it was yeah. David Costello's predecessor, Peter Ryan. Okay. Um, yeah, right. but David David is, is equally as supportive. Yes, I'm Really good. grateful for that, yeah. Ah, good to hear. All right, and then moving on to your second book, um, Women, Crime and the Courts, uh, 1841 to 1941. I'm halfway through that at the moment. I'm Good. absolutely loving it. You know, the first book I had, they had the big events that happen that are in all of the Hong Kong histories. They're there in my book because they need to be because the, the police were involved in them. And there's little bits about the families and that sort of thing. But I couldn't actually really find out, you know, how much did it cost? If you, how did, where did you get bread from? Um, yes. You know, what about milk? Um, they come from Ireland. Yeah. yeah, they're used to drinking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, lots of milk, like me. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's all of those sort of little questions. Who does the shopping? Who does the washing? Where does and that the happen? Sanitation was oh, horrendous, wasn't <laughs> don't, it? In don't that? talk about it. <laughs> we won't get onto the, the sanitation. Sanitation stank in those days, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah, because um, that was one story actually in the book. Just to <laughs> dwell on that. Oh yes, area. the ladies. The, the ladies, yeah, yeah, yeah being yeah. fined for yeah. di di disposing. They had a job which was to dispose, which they could earn extra money doing disposing of the the. Yeah. the yeah, the night soil, business. night yeah. soil as it was called. Yes, yes. yes. night soil um, continued right up to the 1970s or so. Yeah, yeah. I, I was quite surprised that, yeah, you know, they were only allowed to do that between the hours of darkness, darkness yes. and that they got fined and treated as being criminals for yes, doing something yes, yes. which was helping humanity. And and you know they they'd had to sort of change their times because the ferries had changed their times and they couldn't you know yeah. they had to be taken all the night soil had to be taken away off onto Kowloon and then further on. Yeah. And, yeah so the poor women I mean, actually they, it did get sorted out to their yeah, yeah. to their to their thing yeah, but yeah. Uh, Benefit, very yeah. unfortunate and they were almost expected to charter their own boats yes. to get rid of the, 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 the effluent or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah uh, unbelievable stories actually yeah, all that uh, uh, and also you know the crimes the the muay thais mm. um you know yeah. very sad you know young girls sold into effectively a life of Rig. slavery and then yeah, yeah. yeah bartered around right. and it was it was a trying to find out about the ordinary life that, that yeah. pushed me and you you can't find out about ordinary ordinary women's lives um if you look through the newspapers there's they don't feature they you know, whether yeah. they're chinese or whether they're european or whether they're portuguese they just don't feature in the newspapers no. until they do something wrong yeah um, until they appear before the magistrate and then you start finding out as you say about and you you see all this thing about sort of the the kidnapping of children or, or the kidnapping of young girls into prostitution into brothel, brothel slavery, um, and or, or you just see the little tiny things like the the woman who's just charged with uh, with obstruction because she's set up her her stool or or she's. Um, She's charged with hawking without a license. Yeah, you know, an old woman who's who's hawking without a license and yeah, yes, for goodness' sake, she's, yeah, she's, she's struggling. She's, yeah, she's not got two cents to rub together. No. Yeah. Um, and I, also, yeah. I think you know that, that what struck me that you know the women were being used as a cover as well. You know, yeah. there was the bomb 
inst yeah. incidents, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and they were clearly being used to bring down gunpowders mm. and bomb-making mm. materials mm. from mainland, yeah. Yeah. get over the border at Shenzhen for the bomber, the that, race is... That's, race that's it, the race course bomb, that's right, that fortunately didn't happen. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, the other the other thing they would be cover for is is for the smuggling, smuggling of weapons, smuggling of yes. opium, um, and for um, forged coins. I mean, yes, there were loads and loads right. and loads of forged coins going yeah. around and forged notes as well. Um, this was before Hong Kong had a proper sort of currency. Yes, wasn't a single, it? a single, a single currency. Yeah, uh, but well, yeah. It, it rather accepted it accepted currencies from from mainland at some point. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And elsewhere in the region. Yeah. Um, it was much more fluid in those days. We we forget yeah. how. Yeah. How how recent fluid. that is. Yeah. Really. And of course, once you know notes, I suppose, are, are forged, they're passed to somebody else, and if they're caught in with possession with them, yeah. they become they, they, yeah. If you're in possession, yeah. being in possession of is is a, a regular charge. Yeah. So um, it's it goes into down to that lovely level of detail about people, and you can imagine them moving around the city and being, you know, I suppose. To be honest with you, I felt a little bit like they were being victimised. Um, they were trying to just live their lives, really, in very poor, mm. uh, unsanitary times, and just make enough money to survive. And if they, you know, they weren't making money to go out gambling, <laughs> particularly or anything, no. you know, no. fa fabulous nights out. It was to really exist, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Um, a, a lot of the book is is about poverty. In, yes. in effect, yeah. um, there there are in in women crime in the courts. There are the women who commit heinous crimes, you know, dreadful, awful crimes. But even some of those, it is done out of desperation. Yes, yeah. And generally, just people are just trying to make enough to to eat. To eat, yeah. Feed to the family. Feed the children. Well, it paints a very, very vivid picture, and I, I'm really thoroughly enjoying that. And I think you're providing uh, a service there which isn't really generally out there because people, there's not many books no. written, is there? No. Um, and unfortunately, they they are all written by Westerners, and yes. I'm, yeah, I'm just adding to that stock. Yes, you're, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it needs writing so it does yeah. the, the stories that need to be told yeah. i think and it, and they're very genuinely historic interest and um certainly yeah my preferred reading really <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh and then moving on to your third book then what's the premise for writing that uh, yeah third third book is really um c comes out of the wartime experiences of the men i was writing about in the first book um, where a lot of these Irishmen went to serve in the First World War. So there was, when the First World War broke out initially, I mean, a few a few men, a few of the civilians who had signed up um, to fight, uh, went home by themselves, or if they were on leave, they went, they joined up. But the place was very lean in terms of its Western manpower. Yeah. So they couldn't um, have loads of men saying oh yes I'll go to fight, fight I'll yes. cross, you know, cross yeah. over and fight there because they had to keep everything going here Yes. and so in the end about 70 of the police went but on, right. they only went when the police reserve had been established Okay. and that um, 
the, the police reserve were, were the ordinary businessmen from all the communities, so both um, Chinese, Indian, Portuguese and um, British, European, who volunteered to do a number of shifts um, right. of police work, of just basic patrol work. And didn't you say yeah. there was something about the hierarchy in those mm. times that was very much mm. levelled um, that's, that's in terms right. in, of race? In in the reserve. So the the regular police, um, the the hierarchy was such that the Europeans were always on the on the top, yeah. on the top of the ladder, and then the the, the Sikhs and the Hong Kongers, the, the Indians below that, and the Chinese below that again. Yeah. Um, so, but because the administration wanted to get the support of the most prominent men in yeah. the community of all ethnicities, they they had to ensure that all the ranks. Um, of the different ethnicities were were equal, so that yeah. they yeah, had a, a Chinese superintendent in the reserves long years before they had a Chinese superintendent in the regular police. Yeah. And yeah, that 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 Chinese superintendent was at the same rank and at the same um, authority as the British superintendent, as the Ch- uh, yes. Indian superintendent, as the Portuguese superintendent. Yeah. You know, so it achieved parity at that time, in the which reserve was a sort of force. 1480, yeah. 1914, yeah. 1980. Um, you know, at least, at least 10, 15 years earlier than the, re- yeah. the regular force. You're writing the book. Um, it's about the police, of course, that came back from the war, I guess. Well, it, it's, it's the police at war. Yes. Um, so... Uh, obviously, I have I've written about the the reserve force and the police, then the police who went to war. I'm co-writing this with um, a, a friend, uh, Steve Verrills, who is a former policeman okay. here and has military experience, military interests. Um, because I do write a lot of war history in this. I've, I've yes. been through the war diaries and I'm writing you know, the, the conflicts in on the Somme and. Right. Everywhere else, and I don't know military history, so no. um, so Steve does an awful lot of that side. Yeah, of it. must be a whole and, new yeah. language yeah. of speak. There. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's a really is a good collaboration there. Yeah, and um, and then uh, to some extent, what happened? What happened to those men? I'm I'm touching on the, all the civilians. There's about 500 civilians who went to war as well. Um, right, well, no, as 400 and something civilians, and then. Um, the 70 police, mostly about the 70 police, but I do touch on the, the others, the civilians, because yes. there's very interesting stories there. Yeah, hopefully we, we can corner en- Pittsburgh end- on yeah. Saturday and see yeah. if we'll, <laughs> little blacksmith book it for you. <laughs> and uh, th- yeah, so, so that's... Uh, hopefully, hopefully by the end of the year. By the end of the year, you yeah. hope to finish it. OK, so that's good. All right, well, we'll very much look forward to that. All this writing, you know, started sort of in 2000, around 2009 for you. Here here we are, 2023, believe it or not. Mm. And so you're on to your third book. What other things do you do? Do you have any hobbies? (laughs) Well, um, Do you have time for anything else? (laughs) As a a musician, you're doing what you're passionate about. I mean, and, and then writing is the other fashion and you know the whole history thing and so I don't need a hobby because I yeah. just you know if I've if I've been writing all day yeah I just yeah. go and oh, sit at the piano job. start start playing start singing start yes. working out some music yeah you know that's just takes me out of 
one mode of thinking i think it's such a wonderful balance actually you know you've got a sort of a day job which is writing and i i write as well and so you're working through all those processes and that way of thinking and then you just release with some nice piano and recorder music yeah. in the evening yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the perfect balance it seems to me it's, uh, it's a good it's a good balance yes yes yes, yes. and uh, do you yeah. do you play recorder or, or, or any instrument side Outside. Of, well no the yeah. only thing I mean I've got some teaching going yeah. on still and I've got some teaching of um, senior diploma students which is great because that it means I'm I'm yeah. playing and teaching music that is you know, challenging. Yes, <laughs> that yes. keeps my skills going. And I run a church choir, and um, oh, I do lovely. a lot. Of, have to do a lot of music for that, and I play the organ there. Okay. So yeah, I mean, my, or, my organ skills are not great, so, so I'd have to do a lot of practice. I tell you, an awful lot of <laughs> frantic practice. <laughs> Excellent, but it must sound wonderful, I'm sure. Well, playing the, the organ in your local well, church. Well, yes, sort of, you know, fingers crossed and everything else. You know, yeah, sort of yeah, comes through. Get, get through, get through, we get by. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. Good. And so here we are in Vibe Book and Music Shop. Saturday, you're coming over to talk yep. about murder, no yes. less. So that's a subject interesting <laughs> that you've you've murder on the islands. Murder on the islands, yeah. Um, it, it when had this opportunity, it, it then thought, yes, actually, what have I got? Who, what, what murders can I, or what crimes on the islands? There was very little crime reported on the islands, except the big ones, except yes. the murders. Okay. Sadly, no, not sadly, not sadly <laughs> at all. I've only got one Lantau murder. Oh, um, we love I don't a juicy mean that. murder over here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've only got one few. Uh, yes. But it actually happens in Moiwo, so that's yeah. not too bad. Um, then, um, but so so I go around Chungchao and Lama yes. and on, on, yeah. on the water and th- things like that. Yeah. Not all women as protagonists. Um, yeah. Some some of them. I mean, then the women are victims if they're not protagonists, if not the right. murderers. Okay. Um, but there's the, some interesting ones, and it's all it's all in the period between I think 19, 1907 to nineteen. 1927. Years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. And of course, life on the islands was a lot more oh. simple in those days, wasn't well, it? It, it was, was very, very farming different. Farming and fishing. Really. Yeah, and very different to life in in the town. Yeah, in um, Victoria. Yeah, you know, one of one of the guys um, who 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 might have committed a murder, um, who who was actually hung. Um, I'm not entirely sure that he was responsible at all, but um, I, I have you know. The way of telling it, I, I'm yeah. having him reflecting on the fact that, you know, here he is stuck in Victoria Jail, and it absolutely yeah. stinks, and he doesn't like going over to Hong Kong Island anyhow because it absolutely smells and ugh, yeah, and yeah. you know, back on if you get fresh air back on Chungchao, yeah, you, know, you might have fish, yes. but you've got fresh air as well. <laughs> yeah, that's probably more of the punishment yeah. is being in mm. that. that. Mm. So he paints a very different picture the stark differences really between island life mm. at the turn of the last century to to living in a what must have seemed like a built-up complex yes. cosmopolitan yeah. Yeah. Um, town of hong and, kong and victoria and and, and very uh, very ghetto like in, in yeah. victoria as well you know dark really shadows dangerous yeah, nights da- dangerous corners dangerous alleys it's a vast um the building 
you know, we think of the buildings as being very congested now. Yes. But, but they, you know, loom over us, these great skyscrapers. But there, uh, the, the the gaps between buildings were so much smaller yeah. again. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, as we've said, you know, sanitation was atrocious and um, people's propensity to keep animals domestic animals everywhere ah, un- underneath the house in the house wherever and right. you know all living cheek by jowl yeah with with humanity um, yeah no, not the not, most not, desirable places not. big trading port yeah. of yeah. course in those days and constant mm. goods yeah. on the move yes, really as well isn't yeah. there? so yeah. um, and a lot of poverty yeah. awful lot of poverty i mean you know yeah okay so saturday it looks like to me there's a real buzz around Moi Wo and uh, around Hong Kong. So I think we're going to have quite a few people here on Saturday. Uh, we're going to go out live on Vibe Silver Mine Bay, which is the Facebook uh, thing. So 2.30 till around 3.30. We're then thereafter, we will put it down on YouTube. So it'll be on the YouTube channel, live at Vibe HK. And... Yeah, we'll probably have a bit of cheese and wine on Saturday as well, I think. Why not? Maybe a bit of champagne. Milk and champagne. Yeah, milk and champagne for the author. (laughs) Okay, so that just remains for me to say, Patricia O'Sullivan, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks very much, Gary. You can listen to all our Vibrations podcasts published on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, TuneIn and Alexa and a whole host of others. Or you can watch on our YouTube channel under Live at Vibe HK, or follow the links from my website, vibehk.com. The opening and closing music comes from Celestial and is called Green Island Dub and is on the retrospect vinyl album On Sale at Vibe. Finally, a reminder that Vibe is open seven days a week, every day of the year, from 12 noon until approximately 6.30pm. Well, that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to the 44th Vibe Book and Music Shop podcast called Vibrations. I'm Gary Brightman. You get my vibe? Can you imagine what this old island must have looked like to those Dutch sailors when they first saw it? A dream of a new world. They must have held their breath. Afraid it would disappear before they could touch it.